Hello, this is Tiffany Crickshank, and today we'll be mapping myofascial release on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Tiffany Cruikshank. Tiffany Cruikshank is the founder of Yoga Medicine. She is an internationally renowned yoga instructor who has spent the past 20 years crafting a methodology for teaching and practicing yoga, wherein the practice is melded with Eastern and Western notions of medicine. Tiffany's teaching is held up by her work as a holistic health practitioner, acupuncturist, and sports medicine expert. Based in Seattle, Cruikshank teaches regularly for Yoga Glow and travels extensively around the world. She's also the author of Meditate Your Weight. Her approach has helped thousands of yogis around the world see their practice in a new light as a result of her innovative thinking and dedication to the practice. Hi, Tiffany. I'm thrilled to have you here on the 15-Minute Matrix. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So this is an interesting topic. I know many of us work at the physiological realm, and what you're talking about today may take us into the area of referrals. Can you help us understand what myofascial connective tissue actually is? Connective tissue is all over in the body. It's kind of an interesting thing because we, we used to know very little about it. We used to throw it away in cadaver dissections, which was interesting because you'd end up with buckets and buckets and buckets of mm. this inert substance. But what we're finding out now is that this connective tissue is really such an incredible part of our physiology and our physical mechanism of movement and both also just feeling comfortable in our body as well. And myofascial just means anything that relates to the muscles and the fascia. So when we talk about myofascial release, it's, it's a pretty general area. And when we're thinking about the connective tissue, this impacts every organ system in the body, right? Yeah. When we start to get into the fascia, we see quite an interesting tissue. I think one of the things we think about when we look at the fascia is that it's something that connects the body, but the reality is that it's also really communicating with the body. And mm. I think what's mind blowing for me is that it's not just communicating with the nervous system because it has a really high density of, of neurons that both go through it to the skin and also terminate in it, which means that it's communicating with it, but it also has ways of communicating within this connective tissue layer outside of the nervous system through things like piezoelectricity and semiconduction and crystallinity and coherence and all of these things that are kind of hard to wrap your brain around. But I'd like to think of it as a innate, intelligent, body-wide system because it is also connected from head to toe, not even just underneath the skin, but also through the layers, around the organs, through the muscles, around kind of encasing every part of the body, which makes it a very complex and and really hard to define. It's something that researchers often argue on how to define fascia because it is so multidimensional and 
has so many different things besides all the rest of it, like communication and so many other things that we could talk about. I love what you just said, Tony, because it's it's mind blowing what you just said, actually. <laughs> I mean, I've been kind of fascinated with the whole notion of omics, right, which is that everything is connected throughout the body and outside the body. We can't take anything away from anything else, which is what the matrix is all really about. It's about the mm. fact that our story on the left side and our soup in the center and then what we do every day is connected. We can't really take anything apart. Are you talking about environmental inputs impacting our fascia in addition to internal terrain impacting our fascia? I love that you say that. I think there's just, there's so much we're still learning. I don't know that we can draw any really clear conclusions. And, and I'm more in the clinical realm than the research realm. But I'm sure that over the next decade or two or three, we're going to learn so much more about all of these things. But I do love this reminder that it is a three-dimensional system. And as an acupuncturist myself, I think it's one of the reasons that brought me to using myofascial release with my patients a lot was being able to look at the three-dimensional system. And obviously there's layers of, you know, internal physiology, nutrition and mindset that are so important as well. But I think um, myofascial release provides a nice tool for patients also to use on their own, which can be useful in many different ways, but it is this interconnecting system that is, I think, so interesting. Yeah, fascinating. So when we're thinking about myofascial release, it's essentially a mediator. It's positively mediating, I don't even know what it would be, tightness, constriction in the body? How, how would you term that? The older understanding was that it was releasing this idea of trigger points, which mm. were thought to be in the muscle, which if you've ever done a dissection, you see that actually even in elderly populations, the muscle tissue is beautiful. It's pliable and gorgeous. And, but if you look in the fascial system, it's knotted and, mm -hmm. you know, adhered and difficult to dissect. And so I think the newer understanding of myofascial release is a little bit less around trigger points and kind of questioning this understanding. Are we actually releasing these tissues that are really scarred and adhered? I think that can be helpful for some, some of those, but also looking at things like modulating inflammation and increasing neurologic differentiation through just things like self-awareness, enhancing our awareness and proprioception through movement later on. Hydrating tissues is a really big topic right mm -hmm. now of, of study of, of how the hydration of the tissues creates this resistance to compression. As we know, water is resistant to compression. As we hydrate these connective tissues that support joints, how it adds also some passive stability and integrity to the system. There's also really good information around this connection to parasympathetic response right. as we look at this, this practice, lymphatic flow, blood flow, thixotropic. I mean, so I think what's interesting about it is that it can be used in a lot of different ways than just, I think that kind of flat, what in my perspective is more of a flat approach of just releasing trigger points. So as we learn more, we get to add more. <laughs> I love that. That's that's the way we should be working. If we think about that left side of the matrix, what I call the story, and we're talking about myofascial release as a mediator to release some of these scars or address some of the knotted points or the trigger points, as you call them. And we look at that area of triggering events or even antecedents. Are there things that we come into the world with, like difficult time in utero and even through birth that lead to us having scars from the get-go? And then what are the things through life that would impact an individual to develop 
some of this scarring? I think it's so hard to unravel. For me, I try and live a lot and guide my teachers to live a lot in the present moment. Um, And I know there are people who do great work on all of that. I think for me, it's more about kind of what's happening now and being able to use myofascial release as a way to unravel, not necessarily, I'm a huge advocate of of talk therapy as well, but not necessarily with having to put words to it, but using our experience to be able to modulate effects and how the tissues respond and react to even just a a simple stimulus or gentle pressure to be able to look at this mind-body approach as well. I think it's a really important place and and a lot of people do are starting to use myofascial release for mental health, for Mm -hmm. things like eating disorders and body dysmorphia and depression and as a kind of awakening of this interoception. And we know that, you know, interoception now also has a really big effect on things like emotional intelligence and happiness and how we perceive the world around us. So bring us inside to the reality of the practice a little bit for the clinicians here who aren't familiar with the therapy. What does it look like? What I love about it is that it is simple. I don't necessarily have to overthink it, though it it can be very complex. We lead very long trainings where people can learn a lot in depth, but it can be an open investigation. So there are a lot of different ways to approach it using either myofascial balls or tennis balls or foam rollers or all sorts of different tools. Everyone has their preference. But I think the biggest thing that we're learning with the research is that more isn't necessarily better. We know now that our collagen and fibroblasts, our fibroblasts and our collagen and hyaluronic acid are all, all turning over pretty quickly. Half of our collagen is turned over every year mm. and the half-life of our hyaluronic acid is also even quicker at one to few, depending on the person, one to a few days. So with myofascial release, the idea is that we're able to stimulate these fibroblasts, which is one of the more prominent cells within the fascia that is responsible for creating the uh, matrix, the extracellular matrix, the collagen and the hyaluronic acid. And by stimulating them also potentially then not only finding this release in quotes that we talk about of the tissues, but also stimulating them to lay down more collagen, stimulating them to create more hyaluronic acids so that these tissues not only become more supple and supportive with that hyaluronic acid with the fluid in them, but also the strength of the collagen. And we know, I mean, there's so much around collagen nowadays. We know how important that is. I think it's really helpful just to consider that both good nutrition and movement are all required to have that healthy connective tissue, which we know is so valuable and precious now. Yeah, so important. And I'm curious if we go into the central part of the matrix and you talk about this simplicity. I always like to do what I call back it up in the nutrition arena and make sure we're not running away with these very complex ideas and diets when we haven't addressed some of the core basics. And some of what I like to say is that we have to do the non-negotiables, right? Is somebody sleeping, pooping? Is there blood sugar balance does otherwise it's hard to go forward right so if we think about even like poop and focus in on that gastrointestinal arena i'm wondering if you can share with us what you've seen in somebody's gi that's been leading to either constipation or diarrhea and how the myofascial release has supported that uh, regulation of that system 
Yeah, I think a big part of it is in the the vagal tone that we mm-hmm. see within the gut too. Yeah. having that conversation of one of the beauties of myofascial release from my perspective is not having to have an answer, not having to need an outcome from that conversation, right. but being able to have a conversation. So using, um, I mean, it could just be applied pressure with the hands or myofascial balls. There's larger ones that are a little bit softer or a rolled up blanket um, under the abdomen to sense the awareness, to sense this conversation with all of these sensations and feelings that are happening in the gut and and not necessarily having to have an answer, not necessarily also needing to change it. I think there's a contentment within the listening that is really settling for the nervous system as well. And that parasympathetic response of being non-judgmental, which is kind of an overarching theme within all of yoga too, of being able to sense and not necessarily need to change it. Um, but yeah, I think just the simple open-ended conversation that can happen through that gentle pressure touch is, is an important one. And, and, you know, on the lines of what I was saying before is that greater intensity is not necessarily better. I think a lot of people, when they come into myofascial release, think that more is better. So they grind and they push and they pull and they dig because Mm -hmm. they want to release that trigger point. But what we know now about this tissue is that it's not just this inert gliding substance. It's also alive. It's also interactive and healing and modulating and repairing and doing so much more than that and communicating. So I think a reminder too, that less is more whether you're working in the gut specifically or working in other areas of the body, which also we know helps to enhance the vagal tone or that parasympathetic response. I really appreciate some of the key points that you're bringing to our attention, both in terms of the communication throughout the body, the connection between everything and not being so connected to an outcome, being in the moment, really being able to go into that yoga. It's a really interesting conversation, I think, to have with clinicians these days, because so many clinicians are trapped in needing to know the answer. It's what validates them as a clinician, as a to being in the therapeutic relationship. And what you're talking about here is really being in a therapeutic relationship with a client, but bringing them into a therapeutic relationship with themselves where they can listen and tune in again. If there were any other points that you wanted clinicians to think about generally or specifically in relation to myofascial release, what would they be? I think what you said is a great reminder too. It's one of the reasons I believe yoga is such an important kind of foundation for healthcare. We have a lot of doctors and nutritionists who work within our programs who are teachers for us as well. And I think it makes it a foundational part of our health and wellness to be in the investigation, to be able to listen and not have to have an answer to also just be able to increase our body awareness. Um, you know, whether that be through meditation or yoga or myofascial release, I think enhanced awareness of what's happening without judgment, without having to like catastrophize or understand it or, or kind of dissect it, I think is a really powerful thing. And I really, I think it's one of the most powerful parts of the, of the yoga practice in a medical orientation. But I think for MFR specifically, Remembering that less is more is a really big part of it. Remembering that this is a system that's really designed to be resilient. I think that positivity is such an important part of all so many parts of healthcare. As a practitioner now for 15 years or so, I think that's one thing I keep coming back to is our mindset is so important and this this orientation toward resilience to remember that this myofascial system is really designed to be strong and resilient and heal and repair. And it's constantly adapting in response to demand. So you can imagine that 
you know, in a postural scenario, that could be in a negative orientation or a positive orientation, our ability to start to apply positive stress to this physical system in different ways, you know, can can affect how it's responding to those demands as well. And I think another thing that's important to remember is that we tend to think of strength just in our muscles, but we also know that this connective tissue is such an important part of it. As we learn more about how just how important the connective tissue system is, we see how important the strength of the collagen is and the hyaluronic acid to provide pressurization to the system, which is also about eating, of course, but also about stimulating the fascia and this physical system. We know that the fascia changes in response just to having general movement, too. So we can approach that in a lot of different ways with myofascia, with myofascia release or with yoga to help target the system that is such a big part of the physical resilience of the body in addition to obviously our internal health and, and nutrition and physiology, of course. I love it, Tiffany. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the table. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and Carla Schaefer on sound production, as well as Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Then we'll be sure to notify you. We'll drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. I'd love to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 